In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In a book by Rachel Held Evans, there's an illustration she borrows from the Jewish tradition that always comes to visit me this time of year. It describes the surprisingly beautiful yet confounding way sin and repentance shape our relationships with God. She says, there are rabbis who teach that at birth we are each tied to God with a string. And that every time we sin, that string breaks. But to those who repent of their sins, God sends an angel to make knots in the string so that the humble and contrite are once again tied to God. Because each one of us fails, because we all lose our way on the path to righteousness from time to time, before long, our strings become full of knots. But what the rabbis like to say, what they like to teach and point out, is that a string with many knots is shorter than one without knots. So the person with many sins, but a humble heart, is closer to God. To put it another way, what this wisdom offers, what it describes, is that our sins, our errors and shortcomings, have a funny way of bringing us back to the place we know we ought to be. And odd as that may seem, this sentiment is actually quite ancient. In fact, if you read the Psalms, about half of which are Psalms of Lament, you'll find example after example that speaks to this phenomenon. In songs placed upon the heart of one generation after another, the Psalms remind us that we have walked this road before. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. Better than any other example that comes to mind, Psalm 51, the psalm appointed for today, names this interplay of sin and repentance the rabbis speak of. Here we find a passionate witness to the pain of iniquity and the hunger for salvation. In words that really stuck with me, Charles Aaron argues that what is attractive about this psalm is that it shows the psalmist having a deep and honest reflection with respect to their relationship with God. And what we see in these words, in this reflection, is a genuine soul searching that moves beyond abstractions with a refreshing candor so that it can say something real about the deepest things of life. There is a sensitivity in these verses and emotional maturity even that longs for renewed relationship for its own sake, thinking little of the secondary benefits that might come as a consequence. Yet the psalmist does not wallow. They don't stay stuck in their mistakes. Instead, there is a frank acknowledgement of the ways they've gone astray that then makes it possible to return to God, to know joy once again. In other words, there is a sense that the psalmist has been here before and can recall not just the potential for return, 
but the memory that sin has a funny way of drawing us closer to God. Although, although true as I think that is, I think there's more. Yes, our sins do have a funny way of drawing us closer to God, but what they also have a funny way of doing is revealing the extraordinary extent to which God is actively pursuing us. In fact, I would argue that wilderness seasons are often the times in which God longs for us most. It's a different claim than you might expect, but our scriptures argue that the divine, that the capital R, real, is not isolated to some mountain we all have to summit. Paradoxically, hilariously even, God is often most present in the moments when we're trying to get away from him, in the moments when we are actively messing things up. As Francis Thompson describes it in that famous poem, God is like the hound of heaven, relentlessly searching after us. Or as the parable of the lost sheep puts it a bit more gently, God is like a shepherd who leaves the 99 to go and find that one sheep that went astray. Yet what is unique to Christianity and highlighted by today's gospel passage is the argument that the cross is the best example of this paradox, an instrument of state-sanctioned death that God uses to transform the world. At the top of the scene, Andrew and Philip go to share with Jesus that they've just left a group of Greeks who wish to see him. Understanding this as a critical moment ahead of the events that will eventually unfold, John's gospel tells us that Jesus meets this hour with a sense of immediacy. Christ tells Andrew and Philip to be reckless in their love, and by way of a parable about wheat, he tells them to lose their lives so they can find them. Yet more incredible still, more incredible still, the passage ends with an awesome foretelling. He says, Jesus says, that not only will he be lifted up, but when he is, he will draw all people to himself. Coming amidst the pain and the strife of a fractured world, a world made ever worse by our constant tendency to separate and to other, Christ speaks of himself as a great gathering force, as a might unmatched by any evil that stands in the way. St. Cyril spoke to this. He said, Jesus comes to know human suffering so he can defeat it. He comes to know dread, grief, and every assault that separates us from our true nature so that we might be freed, so that we might be changed. In the wreckage of sin, Christ comes, Christ pursues, Christ takes us by the hand when we need him most and pulls us to God. That said, and in a way that I think will bring us back to the beginning, the knowledge that I think both the psalmist and the author of our gospel passage seem to share is the wisdom that they are each utterly dependent upon God. In short, we cannot save ourselves. But what we can do what we can do is ask Christ to open our eyes and our hearts so that we might see and come to know a renewal in our relationship. We can ask to be transformed. 
And as we make our way through the final days of Lent, we can be honest about the things that we have done and the things that we have left undone, knowing that God is never lacking for opportunities to search us out and draw us closer, no matter where we may be. We can, in fact, begin again, assured in the knowledge that odd as it may seem, you have to lose your life in order to truly find it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.